Welcome to Ship Talk, a podcast where I have casual conversations with thought leaders, professionals, and business owners about things like mindset, communication, self-awareness, and personal growth. I'm your host, Trevor Shipman. I'm so grateful for your attention today, and I hope you get some value from the episode. Thanks for listening. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, I have my friend Danielle Prawl on, and she is an online business expert and mentor, a business growth and launching guru, uh, the host of Rule Breaker Dream Maker podcast, and a best-selling author. Say hello to everybody, Danielle. Hello, everyone, and thank you, Trevor, for having me. You make me sound so fancy. I'll take it. <laughs> you are fancy. I love watching your Instagram stories. They're so much fun. Oh, I appreciate it. I know it's funny. Like I try to, you know, have a good social media presence, but sometimes sharing behind the scenes is so fun and it takes a lot less work. That's for sure. (laughs) For sure. You know, one thing that I really value about your Instagram stories is it's, um, it's on completely the other end of the spectrum of your actual feed, which (laughs) what I mean, what I mean by that is like your, your feed is so, you know, high quality and, um, just done so well. And then you're so raw and just your truth is all over your, your stories. And I love that about it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting because people just, the more beautiful and curated we get, I think people are craving that like actual humanness. Mm. So I don't know if it was like deliberate or mom life where I just don't have the uh, <laughs> the time or the thought process to think it out. I'm just like, I'm just going to show up as me in stories and hopefully that resonates too. But I like the pretty stuff. I mean, everyone likes beautiful things, but For I'd sure. rather just show up. <laughs> yeah, I I love just seeing both sides of that, um, that there is that rawness in your life, but there's also that that curated, that's the word I was looking for, um, that curated nature about it too, you know, but then there's the truth behind what curated really means. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I think it takes so much work to curate every portion of our life. And, you know, I, th- I, I think maybe it happened when I became a mom where I was like, there's just so many hours in the day. We're all humans. We have so much going on. What if we just showed up and stopped making excuses for, well, I don't have the right lighting or it's not perfect mm-hmm. or I don't have makeup on today. It's just like, screw it. This is me. <laughs> yep, for sure. And so many people are scared of that. Um, and they, they're just, uh, afraid, I think to show the, the real, their real selves on social media, especially. Oh, yeah. Well, my thing is, I just never want someone to meet me and be like, I didn't know that's what you looked like. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or if I right. show up in a messy bun after a workout for lunch and they're like, who are you? Like that, yep. that would be disappointing. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump in and uh, we'll get started. I'm excited. Let's do it. Awesome. So um, I want to just kind of start out with a a couple of questions. And, you know, this is this is really being just the beginning of my show. I'm still kind of curating all of this. So it might change over time. But um, this is what I've got for right now. I love it. I love to go with the flow. Yes. (laughs) So what kind of parents did you have growing up? 
Oh my gosh, that is a wonderful question and one I've actually never been asked. This is a first. Um, mm. Well, I grew up with divorced parents. They divorced when I was about three or four. So I grew up in two very different families. I have my dad, who's like a very Midwest, like man, doesn't show emotion. Um, my stepmom was in the military, super strong, super kind, super loving woman. And then on the other end of the spectrum, my mom was a sheriff, very strong passionate, compassionate, amazing woman. She's probably one of the best people I've ever met in the planet. Um, mm -hmm. And then my stepdad, who's just like the kindest, most loving, like second dad a person could ever have. So I'd say I was definitely always closer to my mom and stepdad for sure. And I know that sounds mean because people never want to like pick sides, but I definitely yeah. kind of picked theirs. Um, yeah. And so, you know, old school family values, lots of family time. My mom was always like, you know, I'll be your friend, but I'm your mother. You will respect me. Um, right. That's how my, my wife is. Yeah. She was like the perfect blend of like no bullshit, but also very guiding and loving. Mm. Um very hardworking people, like very hard. I think that's where I get my work ethic. And my dad was a complete workaholic. I think I get that from him. I still try to overcome that sometimes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just grew up with very strong women in my family. So that's why sometimes people are like, wow, you're a badass. Like you're so strong. And I'm like, I don't know any other way. <laughs> right. And, and that totally explains your nature um, and who you are, who I see on your social media, who you were in in the mastermind over the the summer last year, like it totally makes sense. Yeah, my uh, great grandmother actually in World War II, her husband went away to war, obviously, and most women, you know, they stayed home or got jobs at grocery stores, and she worked in the coal mine, and she was like four foot ten, bossing around like men. I mean, she, <laughs> just every woman in my family has been like a boss. So makes sense. Yeah, makes perfect sense. So, what was the first job you ever had? Oh my. Goodness, the first job I ever had was in a call center, actually doing surveys. I think I was like 14 during the summers, um, and I hated it. It was terrible. You know, those <laughs> annoying telemarketers that call it, can I ask you a few questions about your yep. recent transaction? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was my first job, but it paid, I think, $10 an hour, which I'm from Laramie, Wyoming. It's a small town. So at, you know, 14 or 15 years old, that was a lot of money. I thought for I was sure. like falling. And then yeah, my... My next job actually after that, because that didn't last long at all, so I consider it to be my first job, was mm -hmm. at an old folks home. Actually, I was a, a private care aide for uh, people with Alzheimer's. Interesting. Yeah. That's super interesting. That yeah, really explains your empathetic nature. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. But I just loved these, you know, elderly people and like seeing their stories when they had lucid moments or looking through their photo albums or just thinking of like the incredible things 
I don't know, my mom always instilled in me, like we can learn the most from older people and most of us take that for granted. But I didn't at that age because she instilled that in me to where I just really enjoyed learning from them. And it's weird. I've always gotten along with older people my whole life. I mean, I could totally hang out with like a bunch of 60 year old dudes at, you know, (laughs) and have the best time. Yeah, for sure. So what was your first toy? My first toy? Wow, you're taking me back. I usually have a great (laughs) memory, but... uh, Gosh, I don't know if it was my first toy or the first one I ever remembered is I had a, uh, what are those called? Like a, not a tricycle, but it was kind of like a tricycle. The, the plastic ones you sit on yeah. and you can pedal. Right. Yeah, yeah that, like the pedals are on the front wheel. Yeah. And I was always yeah. like super independent. So I just remember like cruising around on that thing all the time <laughs> at like three years old, like, you know thinking I was a grown up. Um, That's the first one I remember, but I wouldn't, I don't know if that's actually my first toy, but I'll go with that. Okay. All right. So last question to start us off with, do you still have your blankie from when you were a child? You know what? I don't. And I wish I did because my daughter has a blankie, you know, that she's obsessed with. She actually named it Debbie. I have no idea where that came from. She's always called it Debbie since she could like say her first words and Debbie's her homie. So I'm going to make sure we keep it. But my mom did the whole, like you cut it in half and cut it in half and cut it in half. And then suddenly I had like a corner and then eventually she was like, okay, it's time for it to go bye-bye. So I don't know. She might have it. She might have it somewhere, but I don't. Super interesting. But I remember it, it was yellow and I took it everywhere with me and it was probably disgusting like all kids <laughs> are, but yep. yeah, it was my jam. Yeah, for sure. Our, uh, it's, it's funny to see how different uh, kids end up with their blankies. Like my daughter, hers is just kind of um, dirty and mangy, but our son like is like, it's just a string basically. <laughs> It's, it's, there's nothing well, left of it. Oh my God. That's how uh, my daughter Vales is. It was actually a gift when I was pregnant. A client of mine, Jasmine Starr, gave me these beautiful muslin blankets and we would put her in different blankets all the time. And that one she just like imprinted was her blanket randomly. Mm. But it's so used that it's like shredded. Like she can wear <laughs> Debbie as a dress. She can wear it as a headband. She, I mean, it's yeah. the thing is bad. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. So today I wanted to talk a lot about mindset because mindset is something that you really focused on in the mastermind over the summer. And it's something that I hear you talk about on your show a lot. It's, it's in your book. Um, it's on your, uh, your Instagram. You know, you talk about mindset all the time. So that's what I want to kind of focus on today. I love it. I love mindset. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, obviously. <laughs> so um, I actually don't have this in, in my list of questions, but uh, just kind of came to me. What for you makes mindset so important? 
For me, I think that I've seen throughout my life, you know, my mom was in law enforcement, I worked in a nursing home, um, all of these things, how something bad can happen to one person and they can like use that as fuel to become like a rock star or whatever that is for you. Mm -hmm. And other people will get like a traffic ticket and it ruins their whole life. You know what I mean? Um, And I was always really interested in what made people successful. And the more I got to work with like really successful people and kind of just growing up and the different transitions I've had in life, I realized that what actually makes someone successful is not their skill. I mean, it helps. It's not their ability. It's not the contacts that they have. It's literally the way that they process information and how they look at the world. And I think if you can tap into that and tether that, you can do literally anything I mean, human beings are the most powerful things on the planet. You can do anything that you want. I mean, we live in the United States of America. We have unlimited possibilities. And I just see so many people, you know, well, I'll give you a little background story. My mom once told me that she would run into people who'd been, you know, victims of sexual assault or domestic violence or something like that. And they had literally like a five minute period of something terrible that happened to them. And they would let it affect their entire rest of their life, like a five minute instance, right? And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying those things aren't traumatic by any means. But the ability to not let those things like ruin the entire trajectory of where you want to go and who you want to be, I just want to empower people to to be able to do that and to think that way and remove the limitations. And I've always really been an out of the box type of person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because I don't I don't see those limitations. And so I think that's why mindset's so important for me because it's like, there are no limitations. We just made it up. Like time, we made it up, to be honest. Like (laughs) we made up everything. So why can't Mm -hmm. we make up our own rules and how we process things in the world? Right, for sure. So how does that play into um, your business life? Oh, hugely. So... I work on a lot of people's launches. I help them scale their businesses. I help them with a lot of things. I have my own business that I've scaled. And most of the time, launching is the most stressful process a person goes through. It shouldn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. I've seen it be a very easy process. But especially when someone's newer to this world, um, they start doubting themselves. And I think the more visual you become online, the bigger your business gets, you never get over it. You just go through different levels of it. Like, am I good enough? Oh, this person's upset at me. That comment happened. This person's angry. You know, the bigger you grow, the more you're going to go through those things and be like, am I good enough? Or I just want to lay in bed today. And I honestly find myself coaching many of my clients literally on just believing in themselves and their mindset to make it through because people buy your energy. They, I mean, yeah, they buy what you have and it should be good and it should be helpful, but they resonate with your energy so much. Like I make my clients before every launch, before they get on a live or a webinar, like go through a few things to like get their head in the game because 
people want to be around happy people. They want to be around people who make them feel good. If you can do that, your product can be decent. But if, if you're a shitty person and you're in a bad mood, like people are going to be like, eh, what? or if you don't believe in what you're selling, no one else yeah. is. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's super huge. Um, if, if you don't believe in what you're, you're selling, then it's, nobody else is going to believe in it and you can't expect them to. Exactly. Or they won't want to consume your content or they won't want to, you know, comment back on something. So Mm -hmm. I feel like when you get those burning moments where you're inspired, like you have to follow them and you have to try to get inspired whenever you're showing up online or in anything that you do really, because that's what people resonate with. And even if it's words or your writing or whatever, like they feel it, like it's an experience. People Mm -hmm. want to be part of an experience. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because it kind of leads into um, one of my questions. You know, what is the the first thing that you work on um, before or or the first thing that you look at before working with a brand for a launch? Well, at this point, it's changed, obviously, um, and evolved over the years. I've been doing it almost seven years now, I think. In the beginning, you had to have like money to pay me. I would take on anyone. I didn't care. Like, you know, I was just like, I need to survive. Um, And then it evolved into, I want to like you as a person. If I don't like you and I don't believe in what you're selling, I can't sell it for you. I just can't. I know my heart won't be in it. And there are certain red flags I've seen with clients that if they do those, I'm like, nope, that's going to be a no for me. Um, And I just do better when I work well with someone. We're really a team. It's not just about me. Like they have to carry their load on their end too. So that's the first thing I look at. And then the second thing is, you know, I've gotten to a point where I charge more of a premium price. Mm -hmm. So I need to know that this launch is not the end all be all. Because if you go into launching something being like, you know, I bet the farm and I'm going to die and can't eat if this goes wrong you're going to feel very desperate and desperation doesn't sell. So they have to be at a point in their business where they can afford it. And if this goes great, awesome. If it doesn't, great. It will. I've never had less than a six figure launch um, ever, but I know that desperation doesn't sell. So that would be the second thing. And the third thing is, have they done some priming? Are they willing to do some priming? Do they have an engaged audience? Do they care about the people that they're selling to? Do they actually want to help people? Um, those are the three major things I look at. Like, I don't care how many social media followers you have. I don't care what your email list is. I don't care mm. who you've worked with. I need to know that you care about your product and you actually want to help people. You're not just like trying to make a quick buck because you'll never be able to scale or grow a huge business. And I don't want my name associated with that. Right. Yeah, for sure. So what did that, um, what did that look like for you in the beginning when you were just taking on whoever would pay you and how did you change your mindset so that you could, quote unquote, believe in the product to be able to help them launch that? 
Well, I definitely worked with some people that taught me very quickly what I did not want, how I did not want to be treated, how I did not want to do business. That was the first thing. And then I had a really good friend. Her name is Ari Hale. She is absolutely incredible. She's the one who actually introduced me to this online space in general. Without her, I would not be here. Um, I called her one night over a few clients that were driving me absolutely insane. And I was like, Ari, you know, what do I do here? Like, I, I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't want to work. I don't want to deal with these people. And she was like, fire them. I was like, but I can't, you know how it is. It's like, I need the money. I, you know, I need this. And she was like, if you let go of things that you don't want in life, you make space for the things you want to attract. And I promise you, you won't have room for them if you're holding on to these things. And I was like, well, I've lost everything before. What do I have to lose? So I fired them. And sure enough, I started like approaching clients with what I wanted instead of just like jumping to what they wanted. And I started attracting people who respected my boundaries and wanted to pay me what I was worth, like literally overnight. And I think that moment taught me, like, unless you decide what you're available for, you're just going to receive anything. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting. (laughs) I think that was super interesting. Yeah, that was really the turning point. I mean, I was working with 12 different clients at the time. I was working, I mean, 70, 80 hour weeks. I would Mm -hmm. eat at my desk. I didn't have a life. And I was like, wait a minute, I got into business to build something that I enjoyed. And yet I'm working as if I'm in a corporate job. I just built the opposite of what I wanted. I got to reevaluate, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So what did you do? Well, I fired a bunch of clients. I raised my price point to what I felt that I was worth. I got really clear on the types of people I wanted to work with. I got very clear on what my boundaries were and what I would allow. And I would address it every time it came up. And it was terrifying. But Mm -hmm. things changed very quickly. Interesting. Um, you know, that uh, I have here a, a post, I think it was, that, that you put up uh, back in December. It says, the greatest lessons I've learned are releasing, releasing control, releasing outcomes, releasing my hold on feelings and perceptions. Um, and I think that, that I'm interested to know how, how that kind of plays into that mindset as well. Yeah, well, a lot of times we're so focused on control and being able to, like when I fired those clients, I didn't know if I would get new ones. I didn't know if people would pay me what I wanted to. So sometimes in making bold moves, you have to release the false sense of security that we think that we have in life, right? Things can change tomorrow. We really don't have control over anything. And when you release the outcome of things that could happen, like we're so focused on it because we're taught that from school, right? You show up, Mm -hmm. the bell rings, you sit down, you get a grade, someone tells you good job, you go home, you eat it, like whatever. (laughs) Our life is so structured. We're used to that. So we're used to this false sense of security. Like I talk to so many people who want to leave their jobs and they have this passion for something, but they don't want to do it because they have this quote unquote security. And I'm like, I see it completely opposite. When I release control of an outcome, 
I make space for like the universe or God or whatever you believe in to surprise me and step in. And it has always led me to a better outcome than I could have ever imagined. But it might not look like what you think it will look like, right? Mm. We all have this picture in our head. When you release control of that, you'll always be surprised and you will always land far beyond where you ever think you could. Right. So, so what are like, what are some things that you do? You talked about before, uh, when you work with your clients, before you um, go through a launch or creating some kind of content, you kind of go through a process. What does that process Mm -hmm. look like to help um, manufacture their, their mindset in the correct way? Oh yeah. Like the actual process I put them Mm -hmm. through. Yeah. yeah, so I make them write out a list. Um, it can be as long or, or as short as they want, but at minimum, I make them write down three things they've accomplished, three things they've overcome in their life, like hard situations, um, some no-brainer tactics of like why their product or what they're doing is so important, how it could actually impact people's lives, why they need it, And then three things they want to accomplish with their launch. So I kind of want to walk them through like, dude, you were born and you survived. And look at all of these things you've gone through and things you've already accomplished. Like, remember who you are. And then remember that if like this course or this product or this service is going to literally change someone's life, even just one person's life, you got to show up for them. And I just like remind them of that because even if you can impact one person, haven't you accomplished something? Right. So do you believe in the the effectiveness of manifestation? I do. I think my thought process on manifestation is a lot different than what's kind of out there in the world of quote unquote manifestation, which Mm -hmm. is changing. It's like, Oh, just think that, you know, you're gonna, you know, have a Ferrari and like picture yourself driving one and it'll come. That's Mm -hmm. not going to happen. You know, I mean, it might, if it does, that's great. But I think in like practical manifestation, manifestation is like setting an intention releasing control of the outcome and then taking actions like what actions would you take if you had that thing and i'm not perfect at it at all but i will tell you like i had this dream car that i really wanted you know i had started my business with nothing i had sold my car to pay bills um then i had a baby you know i became a single mom i had all these thoughts in my head of why i couldn't get this car why it was ridiculous And then I just put like my feet to the ground. What do I actually need to do to make that happen? How, what would actually make me feel comfortable in getting that car? Because if you're terrified by something, it's not going to happen. And then put into motion a plan of like, when will I know that I'm, you know, able to do this? And actually two years ago, I went and test drove this car, even though I didn't think I could afford it at the time. I don't like Mm -hmm. that word because you always can but Mm -hmm. it wasn't practical, right? Right. And I took a picture of it and I looked at that picture literally once a week for two years and I went down to the dealership a few months ago and I got the car, you know? So it's like, I, I think that 
setting an intention, like our minds are tricky things, right? So let's mm -hmm. say you're like, oh, I want to make a million dollars this year. That sounds terrifying if you're only making 30 grand, right? You're like, how right. in the world? It doesn't compute. So someone taught me a cool trick that's like, okay, pretend you're already making a million dollars, then what would your goal be? And it'd be like, okay, maybe it's 2.5. Does a million dollars seem that far away now? No, hmm. because you have to put yourself as if you already have the thing and then start showing up that way and taking mm. action that way. That's super interesting. Yeah, so, because I, I think, you, yeah, you need to show up as if you're already that person. Like we all think like, oh, when I lose 50 pounds, I'll show up on social media. And it's like, okay, mm. well, what if you had already lost 50 pounds? How would you show up? How would you treat yourself? How would you promote yourself? What, what would you act like and start getting yourself in that space? And I promise you that 50 pounds will come up a lot faster. Mm. You know, you have to act as if. And it's not about pretending. It's just about getting yourself into that space and stop waiting. Right. And I think what's intimidating for a lot of people is not understanding that your audience enjoys the story. Yes. They do. They really enjoy watching the evolution or the transformation because what I've been seeing lately with a lot of my clients who've quote unquote, you know, made it big or whatever that looks like, their household names, people know them, right? They, they become unrelatable because people just see the end result. People want to see the journey. They want to understand where you've come from. They want to remember when you had two followers. They want to remember when you posted pictures of your toast. You know, that's inspiring because then mm. it seems like you can do it too. So I think sharing that process and that journey actually makes you more relatable, more vulnerable, and more human. And that's what we're craving more than ever. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of the thought process that I'm going through with this um, 366 challenge that I'm working on is showing really, if only just myself, what that, um, what that journey looks like. And I mean, just the journey over the past 21 days has been incredible. So I'm, I'm super pumped to see what it's going to be like on day 366. Oh, I can't wait. And I'm so glad you're doing that because honestly, like everyone, like everyone knows Gary Vee, for example, right? Oh, he's yeah. got these beautiful videos and a team that like makes things for him. And, you know, he's got a full fledged production company now, but you can go back to his early YouTube videos and it's literally like a crappy camera of him sitting at a desk. And that kind of evolution to me is inspiring. You know, like you'll get the yeah. team, you get the people, you can have the editing, whatever. But isn't it cool to just see how that has changed? And mm -hmm. that's for anyone, because the more you do something, the better you get. Like, I don't know, it's like learning to cook. The first time you make a recipe, it's probably freaking terrible. But the best way to be a good cook is to be a bad cook first. Yes. Absolutely. That's one thing that I really respect about Gary is that he reminds people every so often to go back and look at his Twitter in 2009 and look at how terrible and scary the videos were in 2007 and 2010. And so I really oh, yeah. respect that about him. And he brings it back himself on those throwbacks. 
Yeah, to me, it's, it's about showing up imperfectly mm-hmm. messy when you don't have it all figured out, when it's not perfect. And I tell people that with the online space too, they want to do something or they want to start a business, even if it's not online. They're like, but I don't know how to do this, but I don't know how to do that. And I'm like, have you mm-hmm. ever heard of Google? Like you'll, you'll figure it out, but <laughs> yes. you know, you don't learn how to ice skate by watching ice skating videos. You learn it by putting the shoes on and getting on the ice and you figure right. it out. And busting your ass 900 times. It's so true. I mean, God, if I could tell people about all the, I mean, I've had careers that didn't work out or jobs I didn't like or, you know, clients that didn't work out or, you know, we all go through those things, but it teaches you what you don't want and pushes you towards what you Mm -hmm. do. For sure. Because on time, you know, falling down on time 950, you might realize, okay, this is not for me. And maybe I should be like a landscaper or something. Oh, yeah, 100%. And that's fine. You could be the best landscaper ever and then teach mm-hmm. other people how to landscape and educate people about certain types of flowers and how to, you know, whatever, like anything someone tells me, I'm like, God, you have like 50 different things you could comprise into this and grow and scale. Like, it doesn't matter what you want to do. Like we have the internet now, you, mm-hmm. you would be crazy just not to get started. I mean, I, I tell my nail lady all the time, you are like a great businesswoman if you just like promoted this and started mm-hmm. capturing things or sharing things, like you would explode your business, but a lot of people are just afraid or they don't know what they don't know. Yeah, you know, you know, I live like 45 minutes northwest of Atlanta. So it's, it's considered a super small town. It's the south. And, you know, we're like, uh, like five years behind everybody else in the world, I think. And that's one thing that I, I see so much is that people are afraid to put their business and their life on the internet. And I I try to communicate to them that, you know, if you want your business to grow and have more things that, that you want and be able to have more time with your family, um, the internet is here. Mm -hmm. A hundred percent. And it's an amazing thing. I mean, I've seen passive income, uh, change the lives of so many people, but I totally understand that mentality because like I said, I'm from Wyoming, super Mm -hmm. small town. Um, they're way behind everyone else. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just that, I think that old school mindset of how they were kind of raised and they're not questioning things or thinking about stepping out of the box or, you know, there's a lot of fear of things that are different, but what mm. is different actually makes us better. You know, like the only sure. constant, you know, the only constant we can rely on in life is change. Yeah. And if you can be comfortable, and like I said, that you mentioned that quote about releasing it's like okay what if i just tried something new and went with the flow i wonder what would happen and opening yourself up to possibility but they have to do it on their own time you know like my mom was a sheriff she was old school people would Mm -hmm. ask her what i do and she'd be like i don't know she works on the internet and i would expose her to different things and i would just try you know and over the Mm -hmm. years she actually went into an online life coaching program and got her certification and like learned hypnosis. My mom is the most Mm. like old school person on the planet. And now she's like, I want to create a course and she's posting things on Instagram. Mm. 
see that evolution of when she was so closed off to this world. It's like they, they needed a little bit at a time. And I mm-hmm. think once, once they get it, their mind just explodes. Yeah. So what do you, do you ever um, encounter people like that, that they're afraid to, to post or really um, afraid to oversaturate people? Do you ever find that? Absolutely. I mean, I think that there are people who are afraid to post because they're not comfortable with social media or how it works, or they're worried about security or things like that. And then I also find people who are afraid to do something because, you know, someone else is doing it or everyone Mm -hmm. else is doing it. Or why would anyone want to listen to me? You know, or I want to teach Instagram, but everyone's teaching Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, of course they are look outside your window. I mean, I live in Southern California. I can see probably 600 houses out my window. What if someone was like, I shouldn't build a house. Someone else already did. Like that thought (laughs) process is ridiculous to me. Um, It's like no one else can be you. Mm -hmm. That's the point. Like no one else on this earth, like no one else is Trevor. No one has been through what you've been through or sees the world the way that you see it or can explain something the way that you see it. Do you ever tell a friend something and you explain to them something and they're like, oh, okay. You're like, no, just do this. And they're like, Mm -hmm. okay. And then someone else tells them and they're like, hey, listen to this great thing I heard. And you're like, dude, I've told you that 50 times. Yeah, I literally just went through that with my daughter. Exactly. But someone else will explain it in a way that they resonate with. And they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So what if you're that person for someone? You know what I mean? Like you, no one out there in the world is doing anything different. I'm sorry to say that it sounds mean unless you're like, you know, God, what's the guy who owns Tesla? Um, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yes. Unless you're him and you're literally like a genius inventing new yeah. shit that no one's ever seen before. We're all just recreating the wheel that was here before, yeah. you know? And that's, right. and that's so recreate the wheel. Just mm-hmm. keep going. For sure. I just, yeah. So what are some practical things that um, my listeners can work on to help change their mindset? Oh my gosh. Well, my favorite thing on the planet is reading. I've always, you know, read and been interested in reading and trying to like just be open to different ways of doing things and practices. Um, One of the first books I ever think I read on mindset was called The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And it was super random. I was 19. I was in a terrible relationship. I was like, is this really my life? I just like get a job and like eat dinner and watch TV and go to bed. Like this is what mm. you guys have been priming me for my whole life. Like <laughs> right. what? And my mom tells cool. me, <laughs> yeah, my mom tells me to go buy this book, The Success Principles. I go buy the book. I'm reading the book. I'm like, oh my God, mom, this book is amazing. And she's like, what book? I'm like, the success principles, you told me to read it. She's like, I've never read that book. I don't know anything about that book. It was like a super random thing that changed my life. So however that came, great. But she (laughs) swears she doesn't know anything about it. Um, (laughs) But the book was great. I remember him talking about these folders in a seminar that he went to. And you sat down and he gave everyone a color of a notebook, right? The guy running the seminar. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what color do you want? 
And the guy's like, well, you know, I got yellow. That's fine. He's like, no, tell me what color you want. You should have everything in your life exactly the way that you want it. And until you get clear on what those things are, you're not going to be able to ask or receive it. And something about that just changed my life. So I would say reading, Mm. if you don't like to read, listen to podcasts. We have so much free information out there and successful people sharing things for free. Listen to them. And then something that I like to do that a lot of people are like foo-foo about and they, they always fight me on it, but I just can't say enough how it helps is journaling. Mm. Like, Because there's something about the mind-body connection and actually Mm -hmm. writing words out on the paper that like helps change your subconscious mind. Totally agree with that. So I think just writing out, like pretend that you have what you want and write out like I live here. My windows Mm -hmm. look like this. My house looks like this. And the more you do that, the more comfortable you make your mind with making the transition that that's even possible. So it's not about just like, I'm a millionaire, and then you think Mm -hmm. it's going to happen. It's about like slowly imprinting into your subconscious through the writing process um, that really does help. And then the last thing would be paying attention to what triggers you. And people overcomplicate this too, but it's like, I used to scroll social media, not to go down like a sideline, and see something, and it would just irritate me, like, Mm. so much, right? Like, a girl posing in a bikini, and she's got, like, a million followers, and I'm like, yeah, I would, too, if that's what I posted, but by the way, that's not (laughs) very... That's not a monetizable business structure. You've got to have a (laughs) a thought process, right? Like, either brand deals or bathing suit, whatever, but anyway... um, popularity doesn't always mean money, but it would make me very angry. And then I had to like ask myself, okay, when I'm triggered about something, what am I trying to avoid becoming or that I haven't allowed myself to be that I want to allow more of? Mm -hmm. And like really looking at that and being like, okay, what does this say about me? Because it has nothing to do with the other person. Mm -hmm. And Same is true for when people are coming at you and judging you. It's like, what are you provoking in them that they're so afraid of or that they don't Mm want to be like or that they're afraid to be? And when you pay attention to what's making you mad or triggering you, it tells you a lot about your current mindset Mm -hmm. and can enable you to change it. Yep. I totally agree with that. 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Go ahead. Oh, people will tell you everything you need to know about their mindset. That's for sure. Like I have some old friends who would see someone in a fancy car and they'd be like, oh, those spoiled a-holes, you know, Mm -hmm. they probably have rich parents and this and that. And I'm like, so you believe so wholeheartedly that that's so far out of your reach that they must have just been gifted, you know, the world and that you can't have something like that unless you were born in like different circumstances. And I'm just like, we got to work on your money mindset here. Like, (laughs) you know, it's just, it's so obvious to me now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I work with um, teenagers and students a lot and, you know, mindset is something that they don't, they really don't believe in uh, so many of them. Um, So that's something that they really struggle with. So if you could go back 
to the your teenager self um your 15 year old self and say one thing what would that be oh my god one thing how about five thousand <laughs> um right i well I'll, I'll answer that, but I will preface it that up until that age, your life is not really yours. Like it is, mm-hmm. but you're told what to do, how you should live. You have all these well-meaning adults around you that are putting things into your head. You know, for instance, I, my dad used to tell me I would go get my nails done. I like to get my nails done. What a waste of money. How many mm-hmm. hours did that take you, you know, to, to work, to be able to pay for. That's a tank of gas. That's a this. And so many things were put into my head and there was a story on repeat that wasn't even mine. It was mm. all of the words and the stories other people had that they would say out loud to me. And I took them on as reality. And this is what life looks like. So the one thing I would tell myself with that background is create your own story. You get to create your own story in your head. I mean, I've done, I'll do anything, to be honest with you. I'll do hypnosis and Reiki and EFT tapping, and I'll read something. I'll try meditation. I don't care. If you tell me to mm-hmm. jump off my balcony and that might help me with my mindset, I would do it. Like, I will mm-hmm. try anything. But what has really worked for me is realizing where questioning what the thought process and the things I'm playing in my head, if there are things I actually believe or if there are things that I've heard and I'm taking that as truth. Mm. Because when you start questioning, I was lucky enough, I had a mom who made me question everything. Mm-hmm. Like she would say, you know, go to bed at 10 o'clock and I'd be like, okay. And she'd be like, don't you want to know why? And I'd be like, yeah, why? She'd be like, because you need to sleep. And I'd be like, okay, well, mm-hmm. what if I went to bed at 10.30 and I get to sleep in tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You know, she would always make me negotiate with her on everything. Right. So I think if we question things, why we think the, the way we do, why things are not allowed. Like even when I went to college, I remember them giving me a syllabus of what we were doing for the semester. Mm-hmm. And I would go home and I would do the entire syllabus. I would write every report. I would do everything. And I would come up and give it to the teacher and be like, all right, I guess I'm done. And they'd be like, wait, that's not how it works. And I'm like, why? I did mm-hmm. all the work. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I just, I think when we question why things are the way they are, why we're thinking the way we're thinking, mm-hmm. that's why I would say like, create your own story. Very interesting. Well, Danielle, I am so grateful for you being on the show with me um, and taking time out of your day um, to come and chat with me. Well, thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure, Trevor, and I'm so excited about everything you're doing, and I just can't wait to see where your story takes you. Thank you so much, Danielle. Um, So if people want to connect with you and find you on this internet that you work on, where would they go to find you? Oh, feel free to stalk me. Obviously, I'm on Instagram at Danielle Prawl and website, same name. Um, You can find my podcast on iTunes, Rule Breaker, Dream Maker, and yeah, all over the webs. Awesome. Thank you so much, Danielle. 
Thank you, Trevor. Wow. Thank you so much for getting all the way through the show. I'm unbelievably grateful for your attention. You have no idea. I'd love to know what you thought of the show today. So please, please, please leave a review, drop a comment, or just shoot me a DM. If you want to connect, you can find me on just about every social media platform at Uncle Pudge. That's at Uncle P-U-D-G-E. Thank you so much. I can't wait to hear from you. Also, I would love for you to subscribe to the podcast because I will continue to have more conversations that are just as amazing as this one. See you guys next time.